everybody. How you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to the Broad Street Hockey Green Room Live post game. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Uh, what can you say about this one? Losses or wins. So I guess uh, I should be happy that they dropped this one. Uh, I mean, at this point, we're not even watching. Uh, we're not even watching an NHL team. It's, you know, no excuses. The team stinks. The team stunk when they had guys in the lineup. Uh, but like, really, let's look at this team. Like, I want to look at this roster and say, like, who is definitely an NHL player? Uh, where the hell did the box score go? I just had it. Where are you, Flyers? Flyers game. There they are. Nice 4-2 loss to the Red Wings. I mean, Giroux, Atkinson, Lawton, Lindblom. Uh, say what you will about Provorov and Sandheim. They're NHL players. Like, anyone else, though? Yeah, like, really. It, it's it's a lost cause at this point. Um, yeah, like, Yandel, Sandheim, Connaughton, Provorov, Sealer, Braun. Like, they have three NHL defensemen, and none of them are close to top pair guys. Like, uh, the forwards, yeah, let's see. Looks like Ratcliffe can play a little bit. Like Atkinson, Giroux, JVR, Lindblom, Lawton, I guess TK. Uh, like, that's it. That, these are the NHL players this team has. Uh, injuries have killed them. Uh, there's lots of other things wrong with this team, but we're not even watching an NHL team at this point. It's hard to even, like, analyze the games from any other perspective than, like, they didn't have enough high-end players when the team was healthy, and now the team ain't healthy. So, like... What the fuck are we even watching? Uh, it is a joke that, like, Cam York didn't come up right away, and then, of course, he gets hurt for the Phantoms, I believe, last night. Uh, like, what a waste. You know, maybe there's cap reasons him and Morgan Frost aren't up. It, it doesn't matter, though. Uh, let's see what you all have to say. It's not like I have a ton about this one. Uh, let's lead it off with Harris Barnes. Harris, you're live on the post game. Yeah, uh, Bill, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. How are you today, Harris? Uh, doing fine. Um, I mean, the difference between the two teams is really um, the Red Wings have that Guelph line, that second line with uh, Bertuzzi, um, Fabry, and Suter that worked well. And then they have the two young studs in um, Raymond and Sider. And I think that's kind of what the Flyers need over the next couple of years, get a Nemich in Mishkov or somewhere like Dvorsky or something like that. Get two young studs in the top ten. Yeah, they absolutely need – I mean, we've been talking about it all year. They just need some higher-end talent. Like, it's not a surprise to me, Thomas Grice, you know, his first game in a month, and, it, you know, they they can't take advantage because they just have no one capable of doing it. They have a couple of guys who can score, and they don't even do it all that often. Like, Cam Atkinson is a nice player. When he's your leading scorer, you don't have enough scorers. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um I like to see – it was nice to see Yandel finally score. I was kind of worried that he was going to go the whole season with no goal. So, like, for how badly he's played, it's, just, it's nice to see him um, be able to do something, and it's not all bad for him. But um, Yeah, hey, maybe this adds to his value a little bit. I'm looking at a 2023 fifth-round pick. I'm thinking, like, that's that should be the target. I mean, I mean, it, we've talked about it before. He should go back to Arizona. That's where he can finish his career. It's where he started. And yeah, you get a fifth round, sixth round pick for him, and at least that's something. Um, 
I was going to say, hope Mayhew's okay. I uh, really sucked to see him go down. Uh, yeah, that was brutal. He was just, I mean, it's a, it's an unfortunate play. Like, he's just busting his ass to get down there, gets tangled up with the goaltender. And, I like, I get why they don't call that a penalty. But also, everybody else on the ice has to be, you know, responsible for their stick. That's what you always hear. And it's it's an unfortunate play. That's the the example of the refs getting caught puck watching. They get yes. caught, caught puck watching. They're not watching what actually happens. So he goes into the boards. It just su- uh, sucks to see him get hurt, especially in his hometown. He's from Wyandotte, Michigan, right down the road from Detroit. So, um, but I mean, I like his energy as always. And Lawton, Lawton just he's the best player, or he's the second best player on the team right now, maybe third best. But like, I just like uh, Scott Lawton scoring. Lawton has proven over these last several seasons, uh, you know, his place in the lineup is debatable, but he should, he can always play for my team. Like I like watching that guy play hockey because I know he's fucking playing out there. And you just guys like Lawton, they deserve to raise the cup and probably it's going to come one day when he's at the end of his career. It's not in Philadelphia, but uh, like, you just want to see guys like Scott Lawton who just work their ass off. You want to see them win something. Yeah, and he's he's also shown like he badly wants to be a Philadelphia Flyer, which is something I think that's really lost. Like over these last few years, the logo itself has lost like all its cachet. And I remember, you know, last year around the trade deadline, he was worried about getting traded, and then as soon as he wasn't, he signs an extension. And I like I think that's uh I, I think that's he's a guy you want in your lineup, and uh, he's a guy I want to keep around through whatever happens next. And you want. Lawton teaching Faraby about like the other side of the game and being grittier and playing with a different edge to you because like obviously Faraby has so much more skill but Faraby could learn like how Lawton plays in all the other aspects of the game so then Faraby can be that well-rounded player that's scoring 60-65 points and a two-way player and, and Faraby like clearly wants to be a, a flyer he grew up a Philadelphia sports fan his dad's from the suburbs but like I think he like Lawton could teach guys like that how to play the right way. Yeah, I think, you know, in a in an organization that's somewhat devoid of leaders, he can help foster in the next group without a doubt. Yeah. Um, thanks, Bill. Have a good right, one. Thanks a lot, Harris. Appreciate it. Yeah, I, the, the Mayhew injury, that sucked. Um, like I said, I get why referees don't call that. But, you know, if intent mattered, three quarters of, of you know, trips – and high sticks wouldn't be called. Like everyone else on the ice has to be responsible for their stick. Uh, and uh, an unfortunate play. You know, it's it sucks for Mayhew because he's been playing well. He's one of these guys getting an opportunity in this lost season. Uh, I hope he doesn't miss a ton of time. Hope to see him back in the lineup for Pittsburgh. Hopefully, it's just a few stitches, nothing structural or anything. Uh, let's go to Reese Laroche. Reese, you're live on the post game. Hey, how's it going, Bill? Hey, how you doing today, Reese? Um, I'm doing fine, honestly. I don't at this point like you know I, I like I still like watching hockey. I still like watching the Flyers, even if they're like shing the bed. But like you know, sometimes I I'd like to see how El Giroux's playing and you know see what we can get for him and stuff like that. At this point, a loss, like you said before, a loss is a win. So 
Yeah, I mean, at this this point in the season, I wish we were watching a good hockey team and like a watchable hockey team with some talent, but we're not. So we have to root for what's best for the organization. And what's best for the organization is to win like three more games this season. Like, that's it. <laughs> I wish it wasn't this way, but we are here. And now it's time to fully embrace bottoming out, even if it's just for this season. It doesn't seem like they're going to uh, commit to a full rebuild. I wish they would. A lot of us wish they would. They're not going to, but they have to take advantage of this terrible fucking season. Yeah, honestly, with that whole uh, press conference Chuck uh, did, and he said, like, you know, we're not going to commit to a full rebuild. They're just going to retool on the fly. Like, I... I have no confidence that any of it's going to work because what has Chuck done in his entire career that's actually worked out, you know, like, yeah, like they could get lucky. Like, uh, after the, was it? Oh, six, Oh seven season, they made some savvy moves. They got the second overall pick. Granted it was only JVR, but Hey, I would take a fucking guy who can score 28 goals right now. Uh, you know, drafting him at this point, but, um, they need to have that sort of offseason, that sort of trade deadline. They have some valuable commodities in Drew, Ristolainen, all the veterans on one-year deals. Um, hopefully, they, if since they're going to do this aggressive retool instead of a rebuild, hopefully they can make some moves like finding the next Hartnell and Teeman in trade and things like yeah. that. Like, do you do you think that um, uh, the 06-07 uh, season in do you think that team had more potential than what this team had? Because I honestly, I can't even remember from the top of my head that roster. So like, what are your thoughts on that? You know, like, you know, they, do you think that 06 or 17 had more potential or more assets, I guess. They had more to build upon because you had Richards and Carter in house already, like yeah. young guys ready to take the next step. But they still had to go out and get a Danny Briere. They had to go out and get a Scotty Upshaw. They make the, you know, Forsberg move and then flip those picks back to uh, Nashville for Hartnell and team. And in like, I think they maybe had more in house, but maybe we're discounting, like maybe we're discounting the idea of how good Farabee can be. Hopefully Couturier comes back healthy, things like that. Oh, for sure. I think Farabee's going to be a stud in this league. Yeah. Yeah. I think think we're all optimistic about, yeah. Like Provorov is a nice piece, but at this point he's like 25. I think we can get. I think the other teams overvalue what Provorov actually is and what he can be. So I think we can get good value if we tr- flip him. And honestly, if we keep him around, like, and if we're going to do like a rebuild or a retool, I honestly don't think that he's. I, I think by the time we're good again, he's probably going to be way past his prime, or at least exiting his prime. So, and he's not even that. He's okay, you know. He's like a second, third. third yeah, I, I think, think he's like a second, I third think, pairing. I think he and Sanheim are decent second pair defensemen. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I think one of them goes, and hopefully you get a, a solid return for them. I think that's more of an off-season thing. I don't think anybody like the players I expect to be traded at the deadline are players with one year like pending free agents. That's who I expect to get traded at the deadline. And I think teams that are going to take on some term are teams. Uh, those are moves that are going to happen at the draft this summer, things like that. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Thanks for having me, Bill. You got it, Reese. Thanks. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, yeah. They just need to have, I'm, I'm trying not to like, I get that we want them to rebuild, 
but since they've basically said that isn't going to happen, I'm trying to move on from that idea and work with what they're giving us. And what they're giving us is, yeah, we're going to try to do this aggressive retool thing. So I'm trying to think of that possible strategy. And that strategy is what they did from 07 to 2010, like the retool on the fly and then add pieces, uh, you know, capping it off with bringing in Pronger before 0910, uh, you know, Eminger and then flipping him in the Carl to, you know, finally give us a top four. Like that's going to be what it's going to take. Uh, you know, hopefully if they do this thing, Johnny Goudreau is our new Danny Briere. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to draw parallels to that because that is, that's the blueprint they're giving us. We're going to do this aggressive retool. That's the blueprint is what they did like 07 to 2010. Uh, Patrick Reed Miller. Patrick, you're live on the post game. Bill, how's it going? How are you today, Patrick? Uh, as good as it will ever be, right? Certainly. Yeah. I mean, hey, at least uh, at least we don't waste a Saturday night. It's, you know, it's three o'clock. We have the whole rest of our weekend ahead of us without the Flyers ruining it. Uh, isn't it funny how we were all laughing how like Detroit was so bad and now it just feels like they're ahead of everybody in the rebuild? Yeah, I mean they committed to it. Uh, they wanted to keep their playoff streak going, and then when it ended, they said, "Okay, we need to come up with a different thing because you know most of their success came pre-salary cap. They had a lot of guys left over from that, and then once those players you know reached the end of their careers." They had to start over. They had Hall of Fame talents on that team, and they started their rebuild, and now look at them. They're a very good team. They're on the precipice of becoming a very good team. Right now they're mediocre, but mediocre is way ahead of what the Flyers are. Yeah, like that first period, I'm just like, we're being outskated so much, and it's just like, we, we need faster skaters at this point. That's like I for most of the game, I thought the Flyers did a decent job, like controlling the pace and everything. But when it comes to like creating dangerous plays, they just don't have anyone who can break down a defense. And that's 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 why Detroit won. Like first two periods, Flyers are dominating in shots and they have nothing to show for it because, you know, it's it's a couple of guys who can make a play and nobody who can take advantage. And another thing, I guess. I feel so freaking bad for Claude Drew at this point. I just want him traded so he can stop dealing with this. Like, why? It's a shame he has to be out there to deal with this shit at this point. Yeah, he, like, smashed his stick over the net at the end. I was like, my God. Like, just- he still cares. <laughs> like, yeah, I lost Hayes. I'm going to lose Ellis. It's like, what's next? You know, like all the good players except for Atkinson are gone. <laughs> like even like Ristolainen, you know, he hasn't been awesome, but he's been fine. He's out. Like they just have nobody at this point. Yeah, you know, like Carter Hart's out there playing well, and he ends the day with an eight seventy save percentage. How's that possible? He had a good game. You know, it's it's just uh, they're just so devoid of talent and. Anything like I just named like at the top of the show, they have a couple of NHL players in the lineup like Nick Sealer, Keith Yandel and Kevin Connaughton are not NHL players. I just named 50 percent of the starting defense. Like what the fuck are they going to do? Yeah, I guess uh, at this point, let's uh, let's head towards that trade deadline. I guess that's all I got there. I just, it's still, uh, yeah, thanks a lot, Patrick. The the deadline, when the hell is it? It still seems so far away. 
March something. NHL trip. Monday, March 21st. It's February 12th. Like, Jesus Christ. Just start making deals now, please. I know, like, deadlines, you know, deadlines force action. You get higher value because teams want to get things done. But, oh, my God, it just seems like we're spinning our wheels until then. Uh, Chris Toff, there it is. Chris Toff, you're live on the post game. Yo, Bill, I I watched about 10 minutes of the game, and I just joined the podcast. So, so, sorry. That's that's perfectly (laughs) acceptable. (laughs) <laughs> that's the that's a flyers level effort I'm putting in here, but uh, I, mean. I I I watched uh, the part of the game I watched. I mean, how many power plays did they have tonight? I mean, geez almighty! What they have three or four? Uh, they ended up one for three on the power play. Am I the only one that when you watch the power play? I know I'm not the only one, but when you watch the power play, you're like, oh, I know what they're gonna do next. Provi's gonna pass off to the right, then Konecki's gonna shoot, and it may or may not hit the net. Connecticut, he's gonna look. TK is gonna look frustrated. It's it's like you know what it reminds me of. It reminds me of like men's league. Like there's oh, just no skill. There's no strategy. It's just like pucks to net and skate around. Absolutely zero creativity. Like Giroux plays catch with. It was Provorov today. It's it's Giroux playing catch with the point man until he sees something else. Like. It's 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 like the most predictable basketball offense you've ever seen. Like, yeah, a team that like a men's league team. Like, I'm not trying to discount their skill. They're obviously very good players. They're in the fucking NHL, at least some of them. But there's just not like Drew makes that bounce uh, that bank pass off the backboard. I don't know if you saw it today in the third period. And I, maybe it was with the net empty. I can't remember if it was that or a power play. You know, the whole game runs together. But and then Atkinson is too deep to do anything with it. It's just like, God damn it, you're one of the only other good players on the team. And like he had an open net, but he's basically at the goal line and he's not left handed. You know, he's right handed, so he, he can't do anything with it. And it, just nothing happens. Like Drew makes a creative, good play to an open guy. And they still can't capitalize because there doesn't appear to be any sort of fucking plan. Yeah, and it's funny. I mean, I guess I guess I have to give props for it's due to Drew, his agent, and, and maybe Fletcher that they didn't do a deal because he's he's. I mean, this is he's playing great this year, I, and I don't know how you do it with. All, I mean, how many times could you make a play like you just say, and you 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 it looks fantastic, and then the other guy just has to tap it in, and it's not in the right position. I mean, that would just drive me freaking insane. It's yeah, like Giroux's scoring numbers are fine, and they still do not reflect his level of play this season. Uh, considering like who he's out there with, and just the overall like the other team, especially at this point, has to worry about absolutely nothing defensively unless Claude Giroux is on the ice. Exactly. Yeah, and that's why like other lines kind of look pretty good sometimes. Like the uh, Lawton and JVR have made some plays. I believe they're out there with TK. Like they've looked okay. Sometimes the fourth line makes some plays. Jerry Mayhew, uh, you know, has looked awesome at times. It's because the other team has zero worries defensively unless Claude Giroux yeah. is on the ice. Zero, and they ha- they have zero worries. Uh, with us, and they have zero Keith Yandles, not to pick on him again. But oh, let me God. just say, <laughs> let me just say one He's more thing. He's so fucking bad. He's so Go bad. Ahead, Chris, you know yeah. that, that that's that we're we're stuck with that for the rest of the season, and there's nothing you can do about it, right? So, I do truly believe that, like on deadline day, because GMs are such 
like old school idiot thinkers, even the good ones, that they'll be like, oh my god, he's he, you know he's the iron like. And it's not the worst thing in the world if you're going to add him. If you have a good defense and you're adding him as your sixth or seventh guy, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's just like he's horrible, and the Flyers have two defensemen who might be objectively worse than him. That said, like he had, I know he had the goal today, and it was a nice, it was a fucking laser, it was a great shot, Um, beautiful shot. Like he had a giveaway today, and it was like partially on Sanheim for putting him in a bad spot. But he gets the puck in the middle of the ice in the defensive zone. And literally puts nothing on it and just passes it flat on the ice, straight up the middle for a giveaway. And I was like, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that on purpose. And he clearly, like, that was his intent. I, I, I'm baffled. He's still in a lineup. Yeah, I, I have one other point to make, but just on Yando, yeah. I, I, my sense is that he obviously doesn't want to get hurt. So it's like when you play when you're hurt, oh, you're just yes. always thinking about it. So I, I don't know if another team would want to pick him up. I mean, I know the playoffs don't count or whatever, which is a whole yeah. weird he thing. Got, yeah, he got scratched three times last year by Florida. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> Only in the NHL could you make these loopholes. But I just want to comment. I don't know if anyone's commented today on Coots and the injury. I mean, holy shit, a back surgery. Back surgery. No idea what that means. I mean, it could be... A million different parts of the back, but back yeah, surgery like, not good. And he's got an eight-year no move clause that kicks in next season. I guess we're not fucking trading him. No, he's. I mean, this is. It's not. It's not Ryan Howard tearing his Achilles to kick off his contract. Like when he tore his Achilles, that started the contract because the season ended. But it's. It's reminiscent of that, right? And you're right. Like, a back could be anything. I don't want to automatically be like, oh, he's got a spinal cord injury or something like that. But you know what the back is? Um, attaching the whole rest of your body. <laughs> it's, and he's not exactly – like, he's not a speed guy. He's not a skill guy. Like, I know it's not like he has a million hits every game, but his whole game is physical play, even though it's not the way – it's not like wrist aligned in physical play. But it's still – he's he uses his body, uh, you know, for positioning and everything he does. And – is he going to be able to do that? Because so much of this aggressive retool, like we talked about, is going to be built on the idea that Sean Couturier is Sean Couturier. And yep. fuck, if I, I don't think that's going to be the case. Like, if I had to play, I hope it is. And I don't, like I said, I don't want to panic until we know what the problem is. But if I had to place a bet on him looking like Selkie Couturier, I would bet against that heavily. And, and, and even if you were being optimistic, you would say maybe three years. Not yeah, not. there's there's still five years left on this deal. And how aggressive is this retool going to be? Like, are they going to be cup contenders next year? Like, can Chuck Fletcher pull that off? I don't think so. No. I mean, the only thing the only thing that that, that now that I think about it and then I'll, and then I'll let others speak. But, you know, if if they go for it again. Right. Because I think I think Dave Scott and, and God knows whoever else is behind the scenes loves this, that he went for it this summer. And we all did too, right? So let's say he goes for it again and he, and he pulls off a bunch of things. And if they suck again next year, I mean, that should then be clearly the sign that fuck this retool shit. You just can't keep doing this. We're just going to have to rebuild. And maybe we get Bedard. Yeah, I, I, do, I think, I mean, it kind of has to be like, yeah, we're going to aggressively retool. And then if that doesn't work, like... How do you then run it back a third time? 
You can't, right? And, and like we're projecting so much down the line. We have no idea what they're actually going to do this offseason. It's just what they said in a press conference. You know, uh, anything, they could do anything. They could trade away the whole team in the offseason. I don't know. And actually tank. I don't think they're going to. But uh, it's the, you have to put so much faith into the idea that Kevin Hayes, Sean Couturier, and Ryan Ellis are all going to be what you thought they were going to be at the start of this year. And it came out Kevin Hayes needs a fourth procedure in less than a year. Like he already like is not the fair again, not the fastest skater in the world. Now he has no abdomen. Like what are we looking at here? Humpty Dumpty. All right, Bill. Thanks a lot. And and just remember we are what we are. Yeah. <laughs> thanks a lot, Chris. Uh, oh, we do have another speech. Oh, good. Uh, Ray of sunshine. My Warren Brody here to uh, Warren. You're live with the post game. Bill, how you doing? How are you, Boy, Warren? Another classic. Uh, yeah, just a question, you know, with the trade deadline coming up. Uh, this is going to, with Giroux, I think it's going to drag out till the day, maybe a week before the deadline. Oh, I, I believe uh, it will. Because they're not, they're not going to get great offers right now. And it's not uh, even, like, I don't think, like, the offers are going to get better as more teams get involved. And... Just from a cap management standpoint, even if the Flyers, even if the Flyers cover 50% of the salary, teams aren't that excited to add over four million dollars when they could do it a month from now. Like it just that's just the way teams look at it. So there's a lot weighing in on the idea. I think they will get a very solid return for Claude Giroux. I don't think even Chuck Fletcher can screw this up. But I, I do think it's gonna take up until like uh, March twenty first is the deadline. I think it'll be mid March at least before we get straight. Yeah, and I think uh, you know you're looking at Colorado but also Minnesota and St. Louis trade playing them all against each other. The Flyers got to come out with with some kind of effective center in the, in that trade, a young center. That's yeah, a, that's I, I do a, think it's got to be. I think it's got to be more than futures. I think you have to come away with guys who are not yet in their prime, but effective players. Well, I would I would say someone in their early twenties that yeah. that can to come in and play next year. Because I'll be honest with you. They're going to build this team around injured players. I don't know how you even plan for next year. I'm talking about an aggressive retool, but how can you even plan for everything if you don't even know if these guys are going to be able to play? No, I mean, you're, we're talking about we still have no idea what the hell's the matter with Ryan Ellis. Sean Couturier needs back surgery, and Kevin Hayes needs a fourth uh, core muscle surgery. So, like – or procedure. I guess one of them wasn't a surgery. It was a draining. Whatever. It's a procedure. I have no fucking clue what these guys are going to be I, like next year. I don't. Year. I don't know how you can plan for them to be on the team next year. At least not until the second part of the year, because you know even the first part of the year they're going to still be recovering. Oh, I mean, we remember what it looked like when. Drew and and Shane Gossespierre were recovering from these core muscle injuries, and those were yes, they got into the hips, and it was a bigger deal overall. But it was one procedure. Kevin Hayes has now had four, or he's getting ready for a fourth. So like, I I have how can you count on these guys at all? Yeah, the interesting thing coming out right now is that with all the you noticing that are hiring people left and right. And their operations group, the Flyers were devoid of talent even there. They're they're not competitive anywhere right now. 
it seems like they are at least acknowledging they needed to bolster those areas. I suppose it's uh, suppose it's encouraging. That's part of that blank check that uh, Fletcher and Dave Scott talked about, adding to those sorts of things. That's where you can really use. The Flyers well, still have well, that's a financial why we know advantage. Well, that's why they suck, because they haven't really been doing a good enough job anywhere the last 10 years. Yeah, I mean, that's – and thanks a lot, Warren. Um, that's – that's these are the areas when you see they're adding to their operations, they're adding to their hockey analytics departments. This is where they can use that financial advantage they have. Like, yes, there is a cap that stops you from spending a certain amount on players. You can only, you know, it's eighty-one and a half million for the foreseeable future. It's flat, but you still have that. We're owned by Comcast. We have unlimited funds. You still have that ability to have the greatest, most elaborate analytics department. You can spend everywhere else as much as, you know, Toronto or the Rangers or any team that actually is worth a ton of money uh, like the Flyers are. Like, you can outspend Nashville all day uh, in those other areas to improve your team, even though, you know, you can't necessarily do it on free agents like they used to. Uh, 69, it's Mr. 60 joining us. You're live. Hey, Bill. How's it going? Oh. How are you today? Good. Uh, so you said the trade deadline's what, end of March almost? Like March 21st. My God. So a little bit of a theory here. Do you think G is waiting to get traded until after he hits his 1,000 games? Because I think that's somewhere around, like, St. Patty's Day. It could be. I just think, like, this type of move is going to take a long time to come about. Uh, there's a lot of cap gymnastics and you got teams like uh, a couple of callers ago said like that central division, um, you know, you have Minnesota, Colorado obviously is awesome. Uh, they don't necessarily need a Claude Giroux, but also they would very much like to win a cup this year because the cap's going to catch up to them eventually. Uh, and then you have teams like Minnesota and St. Louis chasing them to have a shot at matching them. They need some high end talent. And Claude Giroux fits into that mold. So I I just think it's going to take a little bit for a move like this to come about. And that's good because the more teams involved, the better return you're going to get. Yeah, I agree. They're going to drive the price up uh, bidding against each other. But do you think ultimately, like, what would be a disappointing return um, if we were to send G anywhere? But what would be like you need a bare minimum, like what, a first round pick or like an A quality prospect that's um i would say on the on the face of it futures only would be a disappointing return um just picks and stuff like that uh but that said you know the flyers flipped peter forsberg for 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 picks and then were able to then turn back around and get hartnell and team in so like You'd have to see the whole deal unfold, but right now I'm thinking like, yeah, you need a a, a 21 year old like you know Alex Newhook or something, uh, along with some uh, ancillary pieces, whether they be picks or other prospects or whatever. Futures only is what I don't want because picks are such a goddamn crapshoot as we've seen. Oh yeah, and then this team just has no shot in developing any of them. But yeah, um, w- yeah whether yeah, they want- pick the right guy or not, he's not going to hit his ceiling here, probably. Uh, what I wanted to ask you as well: uh, What are you picking tomorrow? Who do you like tomorrow uh, in the uh, football game? Man, it's I. Uh, 
I want to root for Cincinnati. I bet them at uh, four and a half. Um, it's a weird game, man. Like, you know, the I'm more I think about where well. the more the more I think about where the Bengals are deficient, the uh, the offensive line. The more I think about Von Miller and Aaron Donald, and I'm like. Can he overcome that? Like, he got sacked nine times in a playoff game and won. So, like, he's capable. Joe Burrow's capable of overcoming that. But uh, uh, the Rams are kind of just built for this, man. They really are. The Rams are built for this. But, like, at the same time, it's like, do I want to be on the wrong side of uh, betting against Joe Burrow? Because, I mean, I bet against him the college – was a college championship game a couple years back. And, man, I looked like an absolute idiot doing that. But – I don't know yeah, like he might twice. just be he might just be one of these guys who's over capable of elevating his team in literally any situation. Yeah, I agree. Thanks, Bill. All right, thanks a lot, sixty. Appreciate it. Uh, let's see here, Tori Teef. Tori, you're live on the post game. Hi, Bill. How's it going? How are you tonight? Hope you're enjoying the weather. Um, I have a question because I never played the ice version of hockey i played the original kind the field kind um so that's what i compare things to and it seems like in the flyers power plays obviously there's no plan um but what i noticed about the red wings and they're like what one or two power plays is that they draw the flyers in close uh make little passes around them to kind of open up space and then take that space and it doesn't seem like the flyers do that they just stay around the boards uh, pass around waiting for something to happen. So uh, I was wondering if you kind of saw that too. No, that's absolutely uh, like it's a game about time and space. Like I once had a coach, every question he asked, the answer would be time and space. So like, you know, I would of course then go like, he'd be like, is everyone ready to play? And I yelled time and space, but fucking yeah, it's very obvious. The flyers are content a lot of the time to be a perimeter team and hope the defense makes a mistake while yeah, you see a a red wings power play today that absolutely right. They draw them, the flyers, they get them uh, sucked into the middle. So everyone's kind of just all in the same spot. And then that creates the, the chaos in front that when they do kick it out to the perimeter, those players have all the time and space in the world to take a shot or make another play to someone who's going to be wide open because the four penalty killers have all been sucked into the middle. Yeah. And it seems like there's, I know they don't even have a plan to begin with, but it seems like there's no plan based on the different teams that they play. It's all the same, I guess, strategy if they have one. There's no playing to different teams' strength and strengths and weaknesses. Like, does nobody does nobody like look at footage of other teams and say, "Hey, they they do this. Let's do this." I don't know. No planning. No. It, it it very much just looks like, and I I don't know what their video sessions or anything are like, but just watching, it seems so much like. Okay, Claude Giroux is going to play catch with the point man until somebody on the other team falls down, and hopefully he can make a cross-ice pass. Like, that seems to be their strategy, and it doesn't feel like a very effective one. Like, this power play during the broadcast today, uh, JJ is just like, oh, yeah, they have this many in their last five. They have this many in their last ten. And it's like – they're, they came into the game at 14% on their power play. No matter what sample size you look at, it's terrible because they never score. They got one today because uh, Keith Yandel scored his first of the year on the best shot he's taken in three years probably. Yeah, and it's funny. It was it was a result of a little 
like pass to the center to open space. And I'm like, wow, that worked. Yeah, they sucked. Uh, it came into the middle of the ice. And look at that. When you utilize the center of the ice, which is where you're actually dangerous, all of a sudden Keith Yandel can play, which he's been the worst player on the team all season. It's wild what happens when you just do a few little things right. And they are just so incapable of, you know, stringing together two or three passes to be able to make that stuff happen. Yeah, all right. Thanks for confirming my suspicions. <laughs> have a good Absolutely, one. Absolutely, Tori. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Uh, it looks like we don't have any more speaker requests, so we're going to get out of here a little early today, fan. 37 minutes? My God. We're, we're usually pushing 45 to 60 minutes. Uh, so let's wrap it up. I will be back on Tuesday for the Penguins game. I will try not to miss uh, a ton of games between now and uh, I will be going on vacation at the end of the month, beginning of March. Uh, but I will try not to miss any games until then. Uh, so thanks a lot, as always, for joining me. You guys make this uh, a great time, at least if we're going to suffer through the Flyers. We can suffer together watching this, I mean, not non-competitive AHL team at this point. It's like Claude Giroux, Scott Lawton, Oscar Lindblom, Cam Atkinson, and a cast of also Rams. And, and I don't want to like disparage these guys. They're getting an opportunity. They're seizing their opportunity. Some of them I've liked what I've seen out of Ratcliffe. We've all enjoyed watching Jerry Mayhew uh, take advantage of his opportunity. You know, Nick Sealer had that fight earlier in the year. That was a lot of fun. Uh, but you know, the talent level of this team is terrible and we will suffer, suffer through it together here on these post games. Uh, but that will do it for me today. So thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. And if you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button. Just search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts. And boom, content, content, content. Uh, these post games get posted up there. So if you miss one live, uh, you can catch it on. You're usually up within like an hour of me wrapping up. Obviously, the flagship show, BSH Radio, Flyperbole, and all sorts of stuff. So be sure to uh, be sure to subscribe and check all that out. And maybe give us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, that's it for me. Uh, until next time. Have a great week, everybody.